Hello, everyone. Welcome to From No to Nothing, Ontological Oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a graduate student in education. And with me is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. We've all had experiences with heroes. It seems fair to say that most of these encounters occur in some form of entertainment, books, movies, video games, and the like. Many would also characterize some real-life individuals or groups of individuals as heroes, although most of these people bear little resemblance to the heroes of our fantasies. So what defines a hero, then? As long-time listeners know, the answer may not be as simple as it seems. <laughs> All right, so... Um, we, we talked about stories in the past. Now we're going to um, go into uh, our first literary archetype and kind of explore it in depth and, and what it means in several different um, contexts. Yep. So uh, give us a definition. What is a hero? Oh, well, as you said in the introduction, it's more complicated than we might think, isn't it? So it depends on, really, it's interesting the context we use. Um, if we're talking about uh, mythological heroes, which have over time morphed into our comic book heroes or our television um, heroes, uh, we're talking about a, a character or characters who, uh, male or female, exemplify uh, some of the uh, high-end exemplification of the values that we hold or that we think that we hold. Um, that was simpler in some ways when we thought of it as good versus evil, when we uh, now realize we are in a much more shaded and ambiguous uh, time in history. Uh, heroes, as are represented in comic books and movies and television, uh, graphic novels and so on, become much more shaded themselves. Uh, so that that's one level. Second level is we we heroify anybody who stands up and does something that we think is brave. Uh, sometimes we overdo it. So uh, you know, I, it sometimes sees some days everybody's a hero in somebody's eyes, and that's okay for 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 a family or for for a group of workers or something. That's fine. But we we but you know through the pandemic we've said things like uh, everyone on the front line is is a hero okay but frontline meaning all, all doctors all nurses all teachers all restaurant workers all uh, uh, nursing home workers and so on and so on and so then we sort of um we we dull the edge of the word so it, it can mean something that we that somebody who represents courageously things that we might not be able to do ourselves the big word for it is super irrigation which means going above and beyond the call of duty. Okay. Yeah. Um, you've really um, hit at the crux of what I think a lot of um, the discussion is going to be, which is um, looking at different um, qualities or different words in the definition of hero and trying to pick apart um, whether they do apply or if... Uh, like you said, if there's something that's being extrapolated farther than it should be. Yeah. So, well, let's open up with this. Um, do you think a hero is merely a, a narrative trope? I think it can be. And I, uh, that's a really interesting question because I think we, uh, in our, I think we recognize tropes that become cliches and we start to reject them. Uh, I'll give you an example. Back, back uh, when I when I was a kid, uh, I'm going to use Marvel Comics as just a quick example. It pretty much was bank robbers and supervillains who were trying to take over the world. Well, that was pretty simple. I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. Bash crash. Uh, it's still there would be some some uh, exclamation points of of the moral. Uh, value that the hero held or the amoral, anti-moral value that the villain held. But I think we're way past that in in some senses of what we, we expect of heroes. So we tell stories now where sometimes the heroes are anti-heroes. Sometimes the people who resist the heroes are the heroes. Uh, <laughs> and And it gets really messy. Yeah, so we know that heroes are um, a narrative trope. Like, 
like yeah. you were just saying. Um, yeah, they I'm, are. You know, we we have heroes in all different types of um, stories, but heroes also do heroes exist in real life? So here, here's here's a question: yeah. Can someone be a hero, or can they only do something heroic? Ah. <laughs> Well, so that's a really fine linguistic question, semantic question, because one must do something heroic in order to be recognized as a as a hero. Now, the level of the heroism, the context of the heroism, that's where it gets all very um, microcosmic. Uh, you know, so if we if we take hero as someone who is uh, idealized. Um, someone who, for for whatever, for nobility, for noble qualities, for extraordinary achievements, uh, for for bravery, whatever it is, the only way we know that people have those is by the actions that they have or have not taken. Because some of our heroes are pacifist heroes. The, the action of not belting somebody uh, is considered heroic in some circumstances and philosophies yeah um so here's where <laughs> it gets a little tricky right yeah like what i was talking about in uh you know after you gave our our definition of the hero i think where it gets a little strange is you know we we've it seems pretty straightforward. Somebody can do something heroic. There's plenty of examples throughout history of people doing heroic things. Yes. Real At people. what point does somebody become a hero? Do you, is it do they have to have a, a sustained life of continuously um, brave or insert descriptive term <laughs> behavior, or could one defining moment? that has a large enough impact, canonize them as a hero? Or do you think that the concept of a hero in real life doesn't exist? Somebody can only act heroically. Well, I want to hear your response to this first, but I'm going to pick up as, as best and as succinctly as I can. Uh, I think that there are times when one action is remembered beyond all else for an individual human, human being who is heroified to, in, to, in some way. And, and so it doesn't require a, a life of constant actions. It requires the one that, it's all about narrative, really. If, if an action has, has profoundly affected people, they start telling stories about it. The stories ripple on, and the and the actions may actually grow beyond proportion, and and those kind of things. Uh, so I, I think it it can be a life where where there are steady or punctuated uh, acts of heroism. It can be a life where one decision at the right moment made all the difference to uh, people who would remember, and so then that can that can happen. Um, and so, yes, in fact, I do think that there are uh, real heroes, um, but I think it's it's the narrative that's spun around the action or the person. And it's also, uh, within that narrative, it's the context of what a group of people would call heroic at a particular instance. Right. Yeah. and. I can agree with that, um, but I think that that's, that's sort of the issue, is that the, it's so contextualized and, and relative even that I, I'm kind of inclined to think that somebody only can act heroically and not actually be a hero. And I think you, you mentioned the key term, which is narrative, right? Yeah, yeah. It's easy to have literary or entertainment characters that are heroes because um you know a tv episode lasts half an hour a movie lasts two hours you know a book yes. lasts fifty thousand words whatever the case may be so within the scope of that narrative you're allowed to um cut to commercial breaks or you know end a chapter and, and pick it up somewhere outside of a linear timeline mm -hmm. you're able to do the things that um erase 
the day-to-day things or, you know, skip over flaws or do things that, that chop out the unheroic aspects so that all that remains is a heroic life. And, yep. and yep. good writers of any type of media do have flaws in their heroes. I think that it's not that a hero can't be flawed. Um, but I think that the things that would, that would ultimately make them unheroic, uh, or, you know, an everyday person are, are chopped out. So in the absence of that, in, in the absence of it, can a, per, a real life person be a hero? I don't think so because I do day to day things. I go grocery shopping. Um, yep. I get in an argument with somebody. And like you said, um, for instance, I mean, we'll, we'll pick the most heroic thing, right? Let's say that me solely as an individual with no help from anybody else somehow saves all of humanity from an alien race, okay. right? That seems about as heroic as it can get. Yep. But to that alien race, that's like the ultimate thorn in their side, you know, and, and yep. you might have to get to a cosmic meta level to decide, <laughs> well, maybe the alien race was actually doing what was best for the universe or for other civilizations around the galaxy or whatever the case may be, right? Yep. So yep. what narrative, what perspective you're looking from, uh, history is written by the victors, right? Right, so, right. That's what I was just thinking when you were saying yeah, that. So. Yeah, so what narrative you're looking at is going to shift whether somebody is the ultimate hero or the ultimate villain. Yes. So yes, it can is. an everyday person be a hero? Um, not to everybody. Right. Not to yeah. everybody. So they are. Right. Because, because uh, going back to something else you said was is making me chew on this very much. Essentially, we are not conflating the terms, absolutely putting together hero and human, but we really are requiring human a- a characteristics for the hero. I mean, if, even going to something as, as marvelously fun and fictional when he first emerges as Superman. Uh, Superman was not the galaxy-spanning hero that he, in, in his first iteration, he was a guy who was busting thugs and 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 going after uh, corrupt politicians and throwing them through windows and those kind of things. <laughs> um, and then he got more and more powers as the generations went on. So it's, it got to the point that people, uh, young readers, were losing interest in Superman because because nothing except an occasional chunk of kryptonite could hurt him. And and everything he he just seemed to be omniscient. Everything that he did was was super because he he knew what needed to be done. And so that it, the the writers had of uh, not by choice but by process of of generations uh, conf- created this uh, godlike being who then has been pulled back to earth both in movies and in in uh, comic books because of of finding his human sides. And it's not just about kryptonite anymore. You know, and so if we require human, we require humanity in our heroes. We just don't want so much humanity that, that uh, they are just exactly like the rest of us. That's right. one, I, that's, you know, but, but I still think we apply the term way too frequently. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether in, in our, our kind of back and forth and trying to determine if there's heroes or if you can only act heroically, um, the context plays the big factor and the narrative plays a big factor. It does. Um, but I still am sort of the persuasion that, you know, going back to my example, right? Yeah. Even if I had the one defining moment where I saved humanity, a real life person could live an entire life that is just utterly despicable before that moment. Yep. And, um, you know, maybe to humanity at large that doesn't know the nitty gritty details of that person, they would be a hero. Mm-hmm. But maybe everybody who's ever had any personal contact with them might think, okay, well, they did this one thing, but really they were a terrible person otherwise and so where that hero at what where's the tipping point where somebody becomes 
a hero. That's that's sort of where what I'm what I'm wondering. <laughs> well, it's a, and it's a, it's a and it's a, it's oceanically deep. The the question. It's a marvelous wonderment that we could we we could very readily if both of us had nothing but the time to do it to discuss this uh, endlessly for hours and days and weeks because because this is this is an arc that has run through philosophy i mean if we think about uh, uh nietzsche nietzsche and and the idea of the ubermensch the superman uh and 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 then the way that that interacted with uh with existentialism you you you've you've in Nietzsche's sense, you, you, a, a Superman, he wasn't a guy with a big ass on his chest, but well, the, the, the super developed individual is one who uh, is, is the ubermensch, is the over man. Uh, this, this is the being who creates the template for morality and imposes his or their, their will on, on the world itself and tries to morph and shape the, the way uh, the world is. Uh, Nietzsche said that humanity would would just shrivel up and wither away without ubermenches, uh, and 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 he thought it was not too far away from that in 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 the later eighteen hundreds. Uh, so that's one philosophical stream, board. But you see, but but then we think about this, and we and we have to really dive into. We, we like to heroify. The founders of our country. We know what deep doo doo we are in with that right now because we 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 understand. Well, at, at least a number of us understand their humanity, their deep flaws, and that doesn't undermine the the quintessential ideas that they were talking about philosophically. But they didn't live up to those ideas themselves, and so. We still have the the um, mission, I guess, of trying to make sure that we live up to those. But but heroifying in the sense of worshiping, in the sense of deifying, and uh, and and making some character or some person less than human, and a cardboard cutout who said this important thing, and thus the world changed. That pretty much removes the necessary complex humanity and power of the word hero. So yes, I I, I concur with you that that you can do heroic things, but even if you weren't despicable or just living a normal life and going to the grocery store and, and being nice to your wife and 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 and, and, and loving your people around you and all that, that's a mundane, ordinary existence. And then that one act you do that'll be remembered and narrated and interwoven with how you were before and after. That's where all the mythology happens. Right. Yeah, that was really well said. And I like, you know, you brought in, um, you know, philosophical background and, and really sort of broke them apart. So, so if we are thinking about it, what separates normal people from heroes? Would you go with the Ubermensch definition, or what? What are your feelings on that? I well, I as much as I respect uh, a number of ideas Nietzsche had, um, and as much as I decry the ways that they were twisted and warped, including the vile, villainous, horrific Nazis. As Indiana Jones says, "I hate those guys." Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't think that the Ubermensch is the best model, uh, precisely because it removes people from the humanity. I mean, it, if we look at if we if we look at uh, just what do I want to say ordinary hero stories that are fictionalized, uh, what you said before that, that, that the the humanity is there, but in our in our mythological fiction, let's say with the, the Justice League or the two. The Transformers, whomever, right? You you have beings who are trying to figure out what the purpose of their abilities is, and 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 constantly being questioned by themselves or people around them 
what gives you the right to make this decision for the rest of us? How come you could stand in and go do this? These kind of questions didn't get raised in comic books back in the beginning, but they very much are now. To the consternation of some people, because uh, because it makes us realize that we question. I think the truly good heroic narratives are the ones that make us question of uh, the very act of what we say is being heroic. Um, you know, there's a TV show called Arrow, and I know everybody's already watched it. I'm the last person to finish it up. I'm, I'm in season five, and I, I've enjoyed this very much. But they go into this a lot. This guy started out shooting arrows into people who he thought were the enemies of the city. He was killing them. And then they start wrestling around the next season. He backs away and says, no, I won't. Well, this is this is like the, the Batman character developing from the beginning. He crossed a line, right? And people said, ah, that's too much. All right. And so we say you know, killing our enemies isn't good. All right. And yet we still think that sometimes killing our enemies is. And we have religious injunctions that, that say, no, thou, thou shalt not kill. Well, except when it's to the, to the purpose of the people who are chosen by God, and then it's okay. And, and so it's, it's messy, messy, messy. And I think that really fine hero stories make us confront that messiness. And I think the people who want to run away from what the hero stories are about to say, ah, no, that was good and that was right. We're not going to talk about it. Right. So I'm not I'm not super familiar with with Nietzsche's um, thoughts on this, but from what you said, it would yeah. seem to me that the kind of people he would think of as heroes would be the ones who are doing the shaping of society, sort of. Yeah. Right. So um, the people who are kind of innovating and moving things forward to some extent. Um, and not and not necessarily paying attention to uh, everyone in society when when they when they do it. Um, what I mean by that is that uh, Nietzsche had, and this is the part where I, I can't uh, I can't be with him on this. Uh, you can read him as saying. A person should go as far as the person should go. Be all that you can be. You know that one, right? Right. Um, but one can also read Nietzsche's Be All That You Can Be by climbing over anybody else that you have to in order to get there. Right, and so, and we seem to be going that direction in our culture, I'm afraid. Yeah, because kind of bringing those two sides together, it's pretty obvious to see who he would think of as heroes in modern times, like uh, like a Jeff Bezos, for instance. Okay, you've got a lot of innovating happening. You've got a lot of um, good things that are happening. You know, there's from space travel to all all the different stuff that's going on. But at the same time, um, you see a lot of small businesses being taken advantage of and subsumed and, you know, the rich getting richer and the poor staying poor and, and all these different sorts of things. So... You know, it, again, in some narratives, Jeff Bezos might be a hero. In other narratives, he might be a villain. Um, but Nietzsche would probably argue that since he's at the forefront of innovating and shaping society, that he would be he would be an, an Ubermensch, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, from a capitalistic viewpoint, and then, but. But Nietzsche would be tromping all over that too because he would, he was, yeah, he, he would be, he would be talking about the Napoleonic types, uh, or the highly, uh, the the highly intellectual or or a power driven uh, people. Or that's how he, he can be read. It's it's incredibly uh, thick stuff to, to read, but his, his book is, even in translation, we talk about translation before. Uh, uh, here, listen to one of these quotations. I wanted to bring this one up. I, I picked this one up so we could talk about it. Uh, this is from Thus Spoke Zarathustra, which is partly what presents the Superman uh, ideas. This is a quotation. Our way is upward. From the species across to the superspecies, 
But the degenerate mind, which says all for me, is a horror to us. I think we can guess. Yes, I'm editorializing. Someone he would say is farthest thing from a Superman who says everything is about me. We are first, no matter what. Those kind of things. And Nietzsche would say, no, no, you got it wrong. Um, and, and so uh, depends on what Jeff Bezos does across. And, and for Nietzsche, it is across shaping a world, presumably for the better. And right. I think that's one of those higher, and I'm not sure that he would say business people do that back in his day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so can a heroic act be born of selfish motivation? Mm. <laughs> We've talked before about altruism, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, all right. So if a heroic act is, is one that is altruistic, in other words, it's done without hope of self aggrandizement or gain then no uh, if we and we're just to review we talked about it before if if you do an act and you feel good about the act that you did some would argue that it's still not a purely a an altruistic act because you get something from it but what you're saying is can i do something that's, that seemingly betters the planet but the first thought in my head is how am i going to gain from this um most ethics uh, philosophers would say, nope, <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, because we, we definitely did have this conversation before. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty clear cut that I, I can't remember if our topic was altruism or what it was we were talking about, uh, but it's pretty clear cut. But to me, I think that with heroism, there's a different shade or layer to it. Right. Because because heroism is about the narrative more so than the motivation, I think, in my view. No, so, I, I think I, I think it is in, in the narrative. I, I think your view is. So with that in mind, theoretically, could somebody do something that is heroic um, without really having any sort of. Um, noble intentions can you do something heroic uh here's another way of putting it is it Im more important to do something that has good effect and benefits people or not doing something that is wrong <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what i'm hearing here yeah well and that's that's the other part of heroism right is that we still haven't really quite nailed down our definition from the beginning of the show, the very first question that we asked. But heroism, I don't think it can be divorced from um, a good or positive or noble um, framing, because otherwise you're falling into a different, you know, you, that's kind of what separates heroes and villains a little bit. Um, yes, yes. But... Well. But at the same time, heroism can be cast in terms that are sort of um, indifferent to those things. For instance, bravery. You could be fighting for the good guys or the bad guys and be brave or courageous or, you know, right, So bravery by itself is not heroic. That's what, right. that's what you're postulating. Okay. So, so if, um, if here, if, if the definite, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to interrupt long, but just, so if we go with the definition that somebody is a hero who is, who is distinguished by uh, exceptional courage, nobility, and strength. Okay. So we've just said by itself, courage is not necessarily heroic. Uh, okay. Go ahead. So in that case, it's completely um, determined by the narrative, isn't it? Which side you're on? Well, it, it is, but it's also if it's but if it's just about bravery, and then and we think that's simple, then we have to deconstruct the word bravery, or it, you know, it's, is it? I mean, you of all people, the story, some of the stories you've told me about uh, in your training, and and having chalk 
a projectile shot at you and it feels like the real thing and it hurts like bloody <laughs> and 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 your adrenaline is up and you're doing your act you're doing the act that you are there to do despite that would you define that as courage um as i would but i don't yeah. know if you would um I, I guess that depends a little bit because again it's sort of contextual if you have no other option the the specific scenario you're talking about i'm pulling rear security in a training exercise so yeah. i'm by myself i really have no choice right so i'm i'm pinned down by five different guys behind a 55 gallon drum and they're just shooting at me so i I have to shoot back. That's literally my only option is shooting and running and, and trying to survive. I don't, I don't know that that is. I think that there has to be some element of choice, maybe, in heroism. And maybe you have to choose to do the right thing. For instance, if, you know, if, if there was an objective that I, I could complete, but I might die in the process, or I could get away and, and live, then that it becomes clear who would be the hero in that scenario, right? Mm -hmm. But if my only option is to survive and fight back, survival itself is not heroic, right? Regardless of whether I succeed, right. you know, if I if I take out ten guys and live, or if I die immediately, um, they both require the same amount of courage or bravery, right? Good for you. Okay, yeah. I, now, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> All right, because because that's <clears throat> we're we're not saying that. There was a grander goal. We've not talked about a, a greater goal in that at all. So the goal matters. Right. right. I've, I've jumped to the current history. I've, I've just say it because I'm, it's awesome I'm saying it. There, there was nothing heroic about the insurrectionists or the attempted insurrection. There was nothing heroic about breaking and entering into the, the government itself. Uh, putting your feet up on desks, stealing objects, taking taking selfies—you uh, know—that that that was thuggery. That was that was the, the the opposite of heroism. Now people are trying to cast it as grand patriots trying to rescue the country, but that but that's all based on a, a a total lack of understanding of fact. So heroism has to be anchored in common understanding of the reality of a situation. And then making a decision about what to do within the reality of that situation. Okay. I'm, I'm positing so, that as a, a potential. Yeah. 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 So let's add a, another layer to it. Because at this point, what I'm wondering is, you know, we've, um, the ends justifying the means, right? <laughs> I, I, we're, I think what we're trying to figure out now is whether it's the ends or the means that make the hero. So... In, my, in the scenario we just talked about, right? Let's say that I'm, I'm in a battle. So we've, we've talked about it. If it's just survival, regardless of what sort of insanely cool acts or whether you die immediately, it, neither one is really brave or courageous because you had no choice. Let's say there is an objective now, right? Let's say that, that something um, you can accomplish something good. Mm -hmm. So, is merely the act of accomplishing that good thing, regardless of the motivation behind doing it, make you a hero? Or does being a hero, the ch do you have to choose to do the right thing? I think that, that's, that's going to answer our question. We are back to deontology and consequentialism. <laughs> yeah. Which we we this is good. I mean, you know, we've built and built and built on these discussions. So, so the deontologist takes actions that that she he they uh, know that they have a duty to do, no matter the outcome. And the act of doing the duty itself isn't heroic, but the act of doing the duty above and beyond what the duty calls for can potentially be heroic. The, uh, the, the consequentialist says, well, it was only good if the result was good. Well, that 
you know, I think that's laced into some of our hero stories across the generations and, and the millennium, um, but um, it's not uniformly so. Uh, the Trojan Warriors, you know, I've, I've, having reread uh, the Iliad this during the pandemic in, in two different versions, uh, there are moments when when people who are not the super giant muscular you know, uh, BMS of, of warriors, uh, they're, they're squires, they're sidekicks. The warrior's having a fit. <laughs> the squire puts on the warrior's outfit and goes out knowing full well that he's probably going to get uh, killed, but he but because the, the, the so-called hero isn't there uh, standing in for him, I think that's more of an act of heroism than, than than oiling yourself up, putting on your shiny, and going out uh, knowing that your reputation precedes you and you're just going to whack and hammer a whole bunch of people. And there's so much more to the Iliad than that, but yet there's a, there is that in it. You start to question, well, just because I lopped off X number of arms, no, that guy's not a hero. He's just doing what he thinks he's going to do because he's, he's out there to try to somehow take Troy. And they even forget why they're there to take Troy sometimes they question why they're there and was going after Helen worth all of this because after all she went there uh, anyway and so on and on but it's the actions themselves and the and 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 the the purpose undergirding the action that I think is, is determines the heroism okay all right so yeah let's I think that that was a really good um that's a really good discussion. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, it really a lot of it hinges on these these descriptive words that we use when we're thinking about a hero. You know, what <laughs> what what are all the the elements that go into it? And you know, I think because of the context and because of um the narratives and stuff, I don't know if you you can come up with something that, you know, I, I don't know if you can abstractly define a hero. I think that you have to look at a specific person in a specific context from a specific point of view in order I, to I determine agree, it. I couldn't agree more, which is why I object forcefully to the over-application of that term. Um, and I and I don't and I but I, I need to say this because we we do use it over abundantly and we apply it to just a huge swath of characters like all people in the military are heroes. Well, no, they're not. I have met people who very much aren't, and I've met people who I think have undertaken heroic acts. But it, that doesn't apply. All police are not heroes. All. All nurses are not heroes. All teachers are not heroes, and so on and so on. And and, and we 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 overarchingly put this umbrella term, and we we uh, dilute what we might be actually saying. Yeah, and I think that some of the points that you've um, that you've talked about when we're in this definition really apply from my personal experience. You know, um, being in the military. What you realize is that, okay, everybody that's in the military has to um, sacrifice more than the average person to be there. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But the motivation for doing that really does play into um, the kind of reverence they should receive. The sacrifice shouldn't determine the reverence in my point of view, um, especially considering that it, it's a voluntary organization, right? People are choosing to sacrifice to get into these organizations, but their motivations are, are varying, you know. They're um, varied as human beings themselves, yeah. Some people, yeah, some people volunteer and sacrifice for very noble reasons. Um, some people are, you know, pretty indifferent. Um, yeah, I wanted money for school. Yeah. Other people prey off that power. They like having that power and they like people acknowledging that they have that power. And some of those people are some of the most despicable people that I've met in my life, you know, and I've seen other people thank these people for being in those positions. Right. And that, that is 
something that is a bit repulsive, you know? I, I, and, I, yes. Yeah. And you can't, you know, it, it, it's hard to blame people, but, you know, that's the thing is that those, a, a regular person doesn't know the context. They don't well, that's know what the I, narrative. And I'm, and, I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to blame people for it. I'm trying to say people need to wake up and think about the words that they are using rather than just paste them. And that's what you're saying too. I mean, you're, from that inside the, the, the window context that you have, you know, you're, that's, you, you saw that. I've, I've seen people who've done incredibly noble things as teachers that, that I am in awe of, that they go the supererogatory above and beyond. And I've seen teachers who just, ah, well, Thought it would be a way of making some money, so okay. And and so, no, not all teachers are heroes. Not all priests are heroes, and so on, and so on, and so on. But So when we line people up and we say, ideologically, ideologies are very dangerous. We're, we're going to train you to think of this entire uniform as hero, or this entire whatever it is as heroic. Um, then you've overgeneralized, you've trained people into not seeing not thinking about the very things that they say are important. Right. And, you know, I don't think it's even just at the individual level either. I think that there's a societal um, in, impact too. And I think you can see it. I think that in some ways, um, certain professions can be taken advantage of because they're classified as being um, noble. And, and teaching is a good one, right? Um teachers or many military personnel, they receive very little compensation for the amount of work that they do. Um, and I think that the reason for that is, is because society, the people, the stakeholders who, who pay these people, um, consciously or not, I think that there's sort of a weighing, right? We know that these people receive this much of an intrinsic reward or, you know, some sort of uh, an external reward that's not monetary from society or whatever it is. And so we can afford to pay them less because there there's these other things that sort of play into it. And it comes out in a wash, kind of. It, it's, it, it almost seems like that is, is something that happens, even if it's not consciously directed, right? Um, and, you know, you... you teachers don't get paid a lot of money and they, they say, well, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it to change students' lives, right? You know, yep. that's one but, thing. But in our society, we say how much money you make is determined on how much your, 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 your work is worth. Except that we'll say, oh, but if you're a frontline worker and you're packing groceries for us, then you know, we'll have those moments and we'll say, yeah, you're important. Or you're a waitress and you're, and, and, or a waiter and you're and, yeah, you're important. You can make $2.50 an hour because the boss doesn't want to pay you and hopes somebody's going to toss you shekels to make up that difference per hour with, with the tip. And so, yeah, no, they, they, our, our messaging is muddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially talking about context, if you put it in the context of other, other countries, America is a really interesting case study when you start looking at other um, post-industrial nations around the world because th there's a lot of ways where we stick out like a sore thumb because we're the only ones that do things certain ways. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, if you have anything to add, we'll add it now because I'm, I'm going to head us in a different right, direction. Okay. I, I was just I, I was just going to say that the the thing that I think the thing to keep in mind as we go into the next discussion uh, later is is to add to. Uh, what what is what is the role of the hero? Are our heroes in our stories? And there's not one answer to this. But as you listen, or as as we're thinking about it, do we value the hero who maintains the status quo, or do we value the hero who tries to make something better? Okay. And 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 I think that that will go into villains too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, do you think do you think the heroes have always been a part of? human society or do you think there was a point where people didn't really think much of these sort of archetypical characters there have been heroes in storytelling as far back as any recorded story that we have uh, in, in in to the most ancient uh, gilgamesh um who has aspects that we wouldn't necessarily consider heroic and yet some that we still do exemplify uh beowulf and and so on just uh chinese culture has i i, I Yes, as long as there have been recorded stories, there have been hero stories. 
Okay. And I knew the answer to that one. I was just setting us up for other questions. But, <laughs> so have these stories primarily been about good, good versus evil? Um, yes. Whatever embodied the evil of that particular people. <laughs> We're back to, you know, might be a dragon. Uh, might be a, a monster uh, named Grendel. Uh, might be a terrible king who took away the queen of another country and, and took him to to his city, and therefore we got to go wreck havoc because we got to get her back because that's heroic. Uh, you know, so the motiva- the, the the reasons are as varied as the stories, but but the, but the stories generally weave it as good versus evil, or better versus worse. <laughs> <laughs> more ambiguously perhaps so why why do you think that why do you think this good versus evil narrative exists because i mean if you go back if you think about human human society and specifically what we were talking about at the beginning of the show yeah. you know people in regular everyday life um i you know i do good things i do bad things um in general i just kind of live a, a normal life right so why do we have stories that come up with these um, binary sort of moral viewpoints? I think one could argue that we want to be better than we are. We want to think, we want to, all right, so, so to go to Joseph Campbell, uh, on, on Hero with a Thousand Faces, or Rollo May, who we, we talked about recently too, um, you want to see your own life in a larger context you you want to see meaning in your life and maybe nobody else necessarily notices it but you think of yours if you think of yourself in the archetypes that you are enjoying as entertainment not not thinking you are those those beings but you think about the stories then it deepens even for entertainment purposes it can deepen who you are and what you do i think that goes back as far as we can go back i think it's a it's a reminder to ourselves through our stories at the fireside or at the netflix side <laughs> to, that 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 uh yeah we we can be these people or in fact we we are these people or wow those why would they do that that's just crazy and we stop and think wait a minute somebody i know just did that uh, or did i oops uh <laughs> and so we want to think we're better than what we're seeing. We want to think that we're that we would be on the side of the angels sometimes. Yeah. So I, I think that I think you're right on. It's 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 almost like um like moral reinforcement kind of right. I it's know, not a. Yeah. It can be a lesson. You know, it can be telling you what's right and wrong. But I think more than that, I think it's sort of showing what what sort of things are can be reinforced i know when I, like you were saying when i'm watching a, a movie or a tv show or reading a book certain characters um speak to me right yeah and what's funny is that the heroes you know a hero doesn't necessarily mean a the the protagonist the main character right that's right there's plenty of side characters that can be heroes and those are the ones that tend to speak to me i always like the side character heroes um more than the main character heroes um but yeah i think that i think that that might be it you know because they cause us to say wait a minute wait a minute why did you do that oh no i mean have you ever sat and watched a movie thinking oh well all right thor come on don't be an an imbecile that's why are you doing this uh and and the very act of just doing saying that to oneself you're right. We're reinforcing our own sense of morality, perhaps we're, we're questioning or recalibrating, because we in our in our entertainment we can see people and beings do things that that we would never want to see people and beings really do if we thought about it. But but it's engaging us with our own inner selves. And uh, oh, um, hmm, would we would we do that? Oh, shouldn't. <laughs> So we've talked about how characters have gradually become less black and white as time has gone on. Do you think that the heroes are still serving the same purpose as the 
the black and white heroes of old are? Uh, that's a really interesting psychological question because, well, let's we'll just get as one one venue. I'm a comic book guy from back to when I was five years old. I still remember getting my first one. I've enjoyed them all the way through. But now I go back and read the old ones out of out of nostalgia, you know, reprints and so on, and I look and say, oh my gosh, they all took some talk and nothing but exclamation marks, and they were just moralizing like crazy. And no, this isn't really quite as... I like them still for the memory it gives me. But no, I, I think that the intent was entertainment and then getting them getting people to wrestle around with them. But the very fact that these characters existed for 70, 80 years means that we're in the long game. And I think it is, I think now more than then, it causes us to wrestle around with things. The, the thing that I, I don't know, Joel, and that's embedded in your question, and I think about this frequently, is what I would have done with these characters. I, w I wouldn't have been able to encounter them at age five. The green arrow that I saw when I was seven years old is not the green arrow now. And I, I think I would have been bloody scared out of my wits uh, by the character or the Batman or uh, mm -hmm. any of those things. So it's not speaking to the same audience the same way. Yeah, I think about that, too, a lot. Um, and, you know, we have some characters um, that are born out of propaganda, Captain America, right? So. Yep. Um, again, context and narrative define him as a hero. Uh, if, if you look at him from a, a different country's viewpoint at a different point in time, he would be a, a villain. A, a, you know, or you look at him, the you look at the old ones now, the, 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 the jingoism, the ugly, ugly war propaganda that came out of all of these costume characters who were just co-opted into uh, selling war bonds and using the worst uh, terms about the enemy, because mm -hmm. people did then. Um, it would if if we if that was happening now, and Captain America said some of the things that people say, for instance, about Muslims. Most of us would say, "No, done, done with that. Not buying that stuff." But back then, it's it was somehow acceptable, and it wasn't our better selves in that way. And and so yeah, you're right. The characters morph. We, we see, you, you look at the history of these characters and they're kind of scary. Yeah. And so there's that aspect of it. Um, you know, there's definitely, they've become more um, morally complex over yeah. time. But like you said, I, I think about it, um, you know, the characters that I grew up with and then the characters that there are now. And like you, you said that they're speaking to a different audience. Um, and I think that you should be right, but I don't think that you are. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, I think that little kids should grow up with black and white heroes to learn lessons of right versus wrong and to, um, have a safe place to think about those concepts. And then as they grow up, characters should become more complex. Yeah. But I think what we're seeing in, in our modern society is, is a lack of black and white heroes, period. You know, kids, five and six-year-old kids are seeing the same adult Batman that you and I are seeing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you yeah. said, are, are they equipped to deal with this? Are, you know, can they rationalize out the good and the bad and, you know, the complex? Well, if, if they are kids? equipped to have conversations with people who are themselves are equipped to have the conversation then yeah but i but i still and i think there are variants of i think there there are some uh some superman batman kinds of of, of uh, covers or titles that are directed more to the to, to the young people but but you know that's all it was directed to back in the day and 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 i but i do think about the things that because i i you know, I was immersed in TV culture when I grew up, and comic book culture, and and it wasn't perfect, and I and that had its own limitations. You know, we're watching Wild Wild West, not the Will Smith version, the television version, um, and it was all about gadgets and doing the right thing to you know to, pr to protect the president of the United States and the the country and even the world and it was James Bond like. But when you look really closely at it, it was misogynist generally. It was. It was mostly about how who can beat up each other fastest, 
uh, it, it, it was about using cleverness. But then it seemed the one thing that still stays with me, it was they could solve problems, as you said earlier, in, a, in an hour episode. Right. Minus, minus advertisements, so like 40 minutes. And, and you could be down to the last three minutes and the enterprise was going to explode, but everybody would work together and manage to make sure it didn't. And then we started exploding the enterprise in movies, and we started getting really much more. And 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 for me, it wasn't like thinking I was always right, but there was this profound sense of optimism. And I don't see that nearly as much. Uh, there's this there's a show that I've watched, and, I, and, I, and I'm kind of embarrassed to have watched it, but I but not really. But I watched it because I wanted to see what it would do, and it's called the the boys, and it's a it's a, an anti superhero now. It's about it's really it's a it's a marvelous takedown of the co opting the capitalistic co opting of, of superhero characters, and and corporations making superheroes with chemicals and then making movies of them and everything. But the, the things that they generally do are the opposite of heroic; they're vile. Uh, and so we wonder about that. Back, back to the Watchmen comic book, the graphic novel in the 80s. That caused one to rethink a lot. So the rethinking is good, but you've got to be able to have the, the level of, of readiness for that. Right. Okay, why don't we uh, we'll wrap it up um, on a lighter note. Who are your favorite heroes? Give me a genre. <laughs> 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 um, we're talking about historic. Are we talking about uh, comic book? Are we talking about television? Are we talking about novels? I, well, let's try to pick one of each. Um, give me your your favorite historical hero first. Uh, um, used to be Abraham Lincoln. Um, uh, <laughs> darn it! See, I. Uh, there's, there's, um, um, uh, Pankhurst, uh, Sylvia Pankhurst, uh, the, the suffrage movement, um, particularly, uh, the women who thought that you had to be really out on the edge in order to get people's attention. I would have thought they were wicked back when I was a kid. Um, I loved reading Abraham Lincoln's letters. I didn't understand them. Um, when I was, I didn't get to encounter them when I was a kid, but when I was in, uh, when they released uh, letters and you could read them, I encountered some of them in college and realized how complicated he was and how flawed he was as a human being, which went against all the teaching that I'd heard about him. And thus it became much more interesting. So um, I, I think that uh, male um, Lincoln, but they're just, I, I can't, I can't tell you one. Just one single one in history, and then just represents everything about me. Right. All right. How about um? How about comic book? Ah, well. All right. Uh, used to be Batman. Uh, still, mostly is uh, because he's more human than some of the other ones, and he wrestles. Uh, he's, he he does a lot of uh, introspecting because other people force him to introspect. Uh, but he's mighty scary too. <laughs> All right, how about a uh, uh, a fantasy or myth uh, mythology? Gandalf. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that was simple for me. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, your turn. All right. Um, who do you want? History. History. Um, you know who I always liked was. Oliver Cromwell. <laughs> and he's one who, um, again, it, de it depends on narrative. It depends on point of view. Yeah. But there's this, a, sustained, um, a sustained pattern of action and um, a number of things that, that continue to happen. And uh, specifically his attitude towards... Um, monarchies and, and 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 kings and these sorts of things like okay. just you know regardless of actions you know what side you think he was on or whatnot hearing some of his quotes and and some of the the amazing things that he did 
um, you know that if if you were on his side, you know, if you were on his side, the the things that he said and the things that he did um, would be would be the utmost acts of hero, you know, heroism. Yeah. And again, it's you know, you look at you know that again, like we've talked about this whole episode, um, your perspective and your narrative play into how you see it. Okay. About comic books. Hmm. This has always been a hard one. Um, Ooh. It's really hard. (laughs) It's a hard one to pick, but one thing that's always been a theme with me across, across heroes is I always tend to like the sidekicks, right? And one of my favorites when I was a kid was War Machine. Ah, yes, right. I always, and you know, especially in in the comic books and in in the '90s um, TV shows and stuff. The thing about War Machine that always stuck out to me is he always had way more weaponry than Iron Man. (laughs) So (laughs) the way the way it looked in in the '90s um, TV shows and in the comic books, it looked like he was more powerful than Iron Man. But it also looked like he was much cooler headed. The characters that that played him and voiced him um, in the TV shows and, and the way some of the comics were written, he always seemed uh, much more down to earth. But you always had this thought in the back of your head: you know what? If it came down to it, he might he might be able to take Iron Man. <laughs> From my point of view, <laughs> yep. And, um, uh, and literature. Let's and see. Hmm. Um, we'll see. Uh, part of it depends on age, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. What was what's the category again? Um, literature, like as in fantasies or 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 science fiction or 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 folklore or no, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Ah, okay. And Obi Wan Uh, is another one of those characters, right? He he shows up in in you know almost all of the Star Wars movies, and he's never the main character. But right. you always get the sense Obi Wan is always, even in in Episode One, right? He's a teenager or whatever, but he seems much more level headed, much <laughs> more wise than than Qui Gon Jinn or anybody else. It, it seems like he always knows what's going on. He sees things for what they are. Yeah, and um, he's powerful, but he always seems to want to avoid using it if he can. And um, yeah. you know, that's those those are always the characters that I'm I'm drawn to are these are these um, the, uh, the the side characters that that have some of these qualities. And I'm another big one, bro. Yeah, who question girl? Another one. What? Yeah, another big one that that always stuck out to me. And this is the one that's sort of interesting that that it appealed to a lot of people was, um, you know, Clint Eastwood, like the man with no name. Right. Uh, and we see now with the Mandalorian that you have the sci-fi adaptation of him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's interesting to me about that is that, again, like like you talked about earlier, these movies are filled with um, misogyny and, and excessive violence and all these things. And. Eastwood is always portrayed as, as kind of the anti-hero, right? Or this amoral character. Yet he's always making moral decisions. You know, he's he's saving people that, you know, an indifferent character doesn't have any place saving. He's yeah. giving away the money that he won to these people. He's, you know, he's doing all these things. And it's just, it's sort of low-key, right? Yeah. So you have this character that, that seems really gritty and tough and on the edge. But really, if you break down just the actions that he's taken, he's a good guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. There's no, there's no heroic speeches. There's none of this big. Uh, there's no chew pom- a cigar. Yeah, there's chew no pomp or ceremony, right? There's no pomp or ceremony, but when it comes down to the to what what's actually happening, he's he's the good guy. Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, yeah, that was that was great. Um, and next week we'll uh, we'll explore the the other side of it. So uh, until next time, keep positive.